All right, get your Bible open to Jeremiah chapter 37. We'll be in 37 and 38 today. The bottom line up front is this. Doing what is right is rarely easy, but it's never regretted. Doing what is right is never easy or rarely easy, but it's never regretted. So the other night, my son was going through an old camera that we have, and on this camera, uh, there were a whole bunch of pictures from the time that I went to Israel. This was right back in, I think, 2016 or so, uh, so about five years ago, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And as he was looking through these pictures, he's like, you know what? Dad, there's something different about you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, what is that? And he said, well, I, I can't put a finger on it. And I said, I was heavier. I was overweight. And he's like, yeah, yeah, your, your face was fuller and you could see it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I was. I was heavier and I was overweight. In fact, um, I've been overweight a few times in my life. Uh, in my 20s, I was pretty overweight all the way through there. Uh, but, you know, what's funny is all that time, even during the times when I was the most overweight, I still worked out. I, I, I would lift weights. I, I've always loved to lift weights. It's just something that I've always done. But you know what made the difference is, is this. When I joined the Air Force, I realized that I was going to have to run a mile and a half in under uh, 13 minutes. And I'm like, there's no way that I could do that right now. Anybody who's ever ran before, you know that every pound on your body is another pound that you have to run with uh, for whatever length you're going. And so, back in 2017, um, man, I started running for the first time in my entire life. I was about 32, and I had never ran before in my entire life. And it changed everything. Now, I never ran before because I didn't want to. Running is hard for me. Running does not come naturally. In fact, I hate cardio. I hate cardio. I, I always have disliked it. I can do li- lifting weights every single day. You know, what's funny is, like, we all have things that are difficult for us. We all have a hard time doing what we know is right. And there's a reason for that. Uh, I read a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about this. He said, you know, biologically, genetically, our ancestors were made for the immediate reward. You know, think about this. Back in caveman times, um, who was likely to survive? The, the caveman who was able to, um, you know, store away for when he was old and retired? No, no. It was the guy who got the food right here and right now. Otherwise, you starve. And so our bodies are genetically predisposed to like instant gratification because instant gratification means life, right? And so it's the quickest way that we want. We want the easy route. We want to get what we want right now. And we see this in modern times, only the problem is, is this doesn't work out so well for us with many of our modern day things. For example, food. Now, our ancestors grew up in a time when there was relatively no food out there. It was very difficult to get food and to sustain food. Now, we have all kinds of food. Anywhere that you want, you can get food, by and large, you know. But what happens is, is our bodies say, okay, We got all this food, now what do we do with it? Store it away, pack it away, because we're going to need it later on. We're going to need it for the famine. We're going to need it when that flood occurs. We're going to need it when we can't find anything or when we're injured and we, we need to stay down for about six weeks. We need that. We need the calories in our body. That's why it's so easy for us to get overweight. 
Same thing is true with retirement. You know, we, we don't really think about retirement, especially people in their um, teens and, and 20s and 30s. Why? Because it's so far away. We can't possibly start thinking about what we're going to be doing when we're 65, 72, or so on. We don't think about retirement because it's not right in front of us. We're made for instant gratification. You know, think about anybody who's gone in for a pretty heavy career. A doctor, it takes a doctor anywhere from 10 to 14 years to get through all their schooling and their residency. That's a lot of time. And they're compensated for it well. My wife just got done with her licensed independent social worker position. That took nine years. It took four years of a bachelor's degree. It took another three years of of, a graduate degree. And then it took another two years of supervision. I think about even things like trade schools, how long it takes to become a master electrician. You know, it takes years and it takes time, and it takes effort, and it's all worth it in the end, but a lot of people are just like, man, that's a lot of work. I don't think I want that. I think I'll, I'll just go out and get a job instead. You know, we find that in our lives, that very often we have a hard time doing what is right because we want the quick, easy way out. Jeremiah, he had to choose between what is easy and what is right. He could either cave in and choose the easy path, or he could stand firm and do what is right. Now, for years, Jeremiah has been preaching doom and gloom upon all of Israel. He's saying that there's going to be another country that's going to come in, they're going to destroy you, and the end is near. And no one liked his message, but then the end came near. The foreign invaders started coming in and they started surrounding the towns and and now Jeremiah's prophecies are coming true. Did the people change their heart? Did they change their ways? No. In fact, they got even more upset with Jeremiah. But what does Jeremiah do? He persevered. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 37 verse uh, 11. It starts out, after the Babylonian army had withdrawn from Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah started to leave the city to go to the territory of Benjamin to get his share of property among the people there. But when he reached the Benjamin gate, the captain of the guard, whose name was Ira, son of Shemiah, son of Hananiah, arrested him and said, you are deserting to the Babylonians. That's not true, Jeremiah said. I'm not deserting to Babylonians. But Ira would not listen to him. Instead, he arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. And they were angry with him and had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan the secretary, which they made into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. Then King Zedekiah sent for him and had him brought to the palace where he asked him privately, Is there a word from the Lord? Yes, Jeremiah replied. You will be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. Wow. So Jeremiah is leaving to inspect a property uh, that is, is rightfully his, but his intentions are misinterpreted. He gets locked up. He gets beat up. And he's going to a place that's underground. And actually, if you, if you look it up, it's a place of solitary confinement. It's a place where there is no light, no one else to talk to. Uh, solitary confinement is actually a type of torture. We actually label it as torture today. 
And he says later on, if I go back to that place, I will die there. That's how bad it was. And Jeremiah's choice is this. When the king comes up to him and says, Jeremiah, do you have a word from the Lord? Jeremiah says, yes. Now, if Jeremiah wanted the quick, easy way out, he would have said, yes, things are going to get better. Cheer up, child. Things will only get brighter, right? That's, that's the quickest way to the king's favor. But he doesn't. He actually cha- takes the path of integrity, takes the path of most resistance, and he says, no. In fact, you will, you will be taken away. You will be captured. You will be delivered into the hands of the Babylonians. See, doing what is right is rarely easy. But you know what the king does? The king takes Jeremiah and puts him into the courtyard and Jeremiah is given a loaf of bread every single day. So not much, not bad uh, for an upgrade, right? He's still in prison, but he's at least not in solitary confinement. Now go to chapter 38, verse 4. We're going to see how Jeremiah again encounters difficulties. It says, Then the official said to the king, This man should be put to death. He is discouraging the soldiers who are left in the city as well as the people by the things he is saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. He is in your hands, King Zedekiah. I answered, the king can do nothing to oppose you. So they took Jeremiah and put him into a cistern, the king's son's cistern, which was in the courtyard of the guard, and they lowered Jeremiah by ropes into it. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. Wouldn't that be terrible? So Jeremiah here, he's being accused of demoralizing the army. And you know what? He was. He was. He was demoralizing the army. It was not good for their morale to have Jeremiah around because Jeremiah is basically saying, they're going to come in here and they're going to take you. You better surrender now. If you surrender now, things will go better for you. See, his prophecies are coming true. And people knew that. And the people in charge, they're like, you better stop talking about this because uh, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. And Jeremiah says, nope. And so what happens? He's beaten. He's put in stocks. He's mocked. He's out of imprisonment. He's, he's out of the solitary confinement. I mean, he, he's gone through so much already. And so if he were to take the easy way out, you know, he's got a pretty good gig right now. He's in the courtyard. He's eating a loaf of bread a day. It's kind of nice easy way out would be to stay silent, to not say anything at all. I mean, he had a choice in this situation, but the right thing was to warn the people of their impending doom. Maybe some people would come and repent. Maybe some people would stop worshiping false gods. Maybe there was a chance to turn the tide and have God rescue them. Still, that's what prophets are there for, to warn people about God's wrath, to warn people, you're going the wrong way. If only you'll repent and turn back. But you know what happened? They didn't like that. They put him into a cistern. Now, cisterns were common for houses back then. In fact, um, cisterns were kind of pear-shaped, so they had a wide bottom and a very narrow top. Now, this narrow opening was also um, basically there uh, so that you could put a little cap on top of it so nothing would fall in there and die. The um, extra water during the wet seasons would be put in there, and then you could take out the extra water during the dry seasons or famines or whatever you need it. Um, But basically, this one was not being used anymore. It was filled with mud. It was a perfect place for a prison. There's no escape. 
There's no way physically that you'd be able to get out of there on your own. And so they close the lid. Jeremiah is doomed. He will die in the mud. He will die by himself in the dark. And his body will rot away. Yet God was always faithful. And God empowered somebody to pull him out. Go to verse 14 and 38, uh, in, ver- in chapter 38. It says, Then King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and had him brought to the third entrance of the temple of the Lord. I'm going to ask you something, the king said to Jeremiah. Do not hide anything from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I give you an answer, will you kill me? Even if I did give you counsel, you would not listen to me. But King Zedekiah swore this oath to him secretly. As surely as the Lord lives, who has give a, given us breath, I will neither kill you nor hand you over to those who want to kill you. And then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, This is what the Lord, the God Almighty, uh, the Lord of Israel says. If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and this city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. But if you do not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians. They will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. So what do we have here? We have Jeremiah again choosing to do what is right rather than choosing to do what is easy. He could have gone the easy path. He could have stayed in his courtyard, just stayed quiet. He could have gave Zedekiah the easy answer, the the softened answer like, okay, this is... This is, you know, going to go out well for you. Things will get better. But he gives Zedekiah the answer that he doesn't want to hear. Now, let me give you a little history on that. The king didn't want to hear this because, because um, this is not good news for him. Now, if you were a rebel king and a foreign nation was capturing you back in ancient times, it was very different from today. A rebel king was usually, who, who surrendered, was usually mutilated and then put to death. Now, as it turns out, what Zedekiah did was he did not choose to take Jeremiah's words. Instead, he chose to stay in Jerusalem to fortify a little bit, and then he tried to escape at a later point, and he's caught. Now, when he's caught, he's caught, and they, they take Zedekiah, and all of his sons are put in front of him, and right in front of his eyes, they kill each son one by one by one. And then, as a closing act, they take a a sword and they plunge out his eyes. So imagine the last thing that you see is your sons dying before you. And you can't do a thing. Jeremiah stays true to the word. He even gave Zedekiah an out. He said, if you just surrender to me, to to them, you and your sons will live. He gave Zedekiah the option to do what is right, but Zedekiah chose the easy path. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to try what I continue to do. You know, there are some lessons that we learn from all this, and we have one lesson that we can actually draw out without much um, interpretation. It's, it's pretty simple. It's lesson number one is don't expect a warm welcome for doing what is right in this world. I mean, look at Jeremiah. He continues to preach time and time again. He gets thrown into prison. He gets beaten. He put, gets put in the stocks. He gets dropped into a cistern. He endures quite a bit of pain. 
Am I correct? Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus also endures pain. Jesus also chooses to do what is right, even though it's not going to work out well for his health. You know, Jerusalem was a place where it was very hostile to Jesus. And when Jesus walked up the path to Jerusalem, he knew that he was walking toward his own death. He knew what was going to happen, but he continued to do what was right. And he continued all the way through the crucifixion until the point of his death. But you know what's kind of neat? God does God's best work after the crucifixion. And that's when Jesus is resurrected. That's when Jesus gives us new life. And the same thing is true for us. If we can go through the pain, if we can suffer through the persecution, if we can endure long enough, we will be resurrected as well. God will bring forth new life within us. Maybe not here in this life, Maybe it's in the next life to come. But God will be with us. God will renew us as we go through the difficulty. The second lesson that we learn here is about character. And Jeremiah is a man with great character. And the idea, the the lesson is this, that building character is a process. And the process to build character is by consistently doing what is right. You know, what's interesting is the the Bible actually has a lot to say about character. One of the things that it says is that trials are the ultimate test for our character. Um, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, it says the crucible for silver. Crucible is that little little pot thing that you put silver in. uh, And the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. So when we're going through the fire, when we're going through the intense moments of heat and trial and difficulties, the Lord is testing our heart to see what we're made of. It also says that those with good character will increase in their good character. Proverbs 11.3, it says the integrity of the upright guides them. The integrity of the upright guides them. So if you're a person of integrity, having integrity will help you be more integral. I think I made that up. Having have integrity will help you to stay on that path of integrity. But I think the clearest teaching on our character and, and about what we do to uh, build up our character is actually found in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. And, and this comes from Jesus. And he says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. If you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. You know, if you look at people in life, and you look at people like with really good character, um, even if they mess up once or twice, it's hard to destroy a person's character entirely. For example, King David, he was noble, he was a great king, he was a godly person, but he also messed up once or twice. Big mess ups. We're not talking like he stole candy from the store. He was part of a murder, murder. Um, he uh, committed adultery. I mean, all those things happen, but one bad thing or two bad things did not cancel out the character that he built up throughout his lifetime. Did it knock him down? Yeah, it did, quite a bit. Likewise, a person with bad character, with bad integrity, it's pretty hard to destroy that as well. It's pretty hard to see that person as a good person. 
Uh, for example, uh, there was a, once a man who started up a literacy program in Iraq. Yeah, he, he helped um, hundreds of thousands of little children, little Iraqi children, learn how to read. Isn't that a good thing? That person's name is Saddam Hussein. He killed thousands upon thousands of Kurds. He, he had acts of torture. He was just a very bad man. Bad character, bad integrity. Did you know that there's one person back in the, um, the 30s and 40s, they actually started up the very first anti-smoking program? True story. Um, that person's name was Adolf Hitler. Yeah, our modern day anti-smoking campaigns, they actually come from what he started. Or at least they're linked to it. Now, I don't even have to mention the atrocities that Hitler did. But he killed millions of Jews, right? So it's hard to change our character. But what I do know is this. If, if we start today and we are faithful in the little things. Faithful when no one is watching. When we have integrity even when no one is watching. You will be faithful in the big moments in life as well. And, and the more uh, integrity you have, the easier it is to maintain your, uh, your integrity. Uh, but as you start to fall away from that path and to start to lose your good character, it's easier to start to lose and keep losing that character. So the main idea is this. If you are faithful in the little things, then God will trust you with the big things. But if you're not faithful in the little things, how can God trust you with the big things? That's what we see with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is totally faithful. He continues to, to preach God's word, to, to prophesy about what is going on. He's faithful. And people know what they're going to get every single day. He's going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. That leads us to lesson number three. Doing what is right means refusing to compromise your values. Doing what's right means refusing to compromise your values. Now, I'm a person, I, I love compromise. I love compromise. I may be the only person that I know who is actually excited when we had a split um, Senate and House and, and executive branch. I, I think it's good that we have um, somebody on both sides because I think for far too long we've tried to get through um, bills and legislation with just one party. We need to learn how to work together. That, that's my own thinking anyway. So I was excited when this last election came around and we have a little bit of diver diversity because I think we should learn how to live together. Compromise is a good thing. Um, same thing, I, I love compromise most of the time. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think I use it with my kids quite a bit. I, I compromise with my wife and, and leadership. You compromise all the time. But there's one thing that we can never compromise on, and that is the Word of God or the truth that we find within the Word of God. See, think about this. Jesus never said, follow me, I am a good suggestion. Follow me, I'm the best example of humanity there is. The Word doesn't teach us that there are multiple ways to heaven. The Word doesn't waver on what is right and what is wrong. There is a clear standard for this. King Zedekiah, what he wanted from Jeremiah is he wanted Jeremiah to soften the word from God. To say, maybe things will be okay. Maybe those Babylonians, those mean Babylonians, they won't come back anymore. But Jeremiah's response was pretty simple. No, they're going to come back. You're going to be destroyed if you don't surrender. Now, why, why was Jeremiah uncompromising? Was it because he was mean? 
No, because he loved the people. He knew that God's wrath was coming, and it would be a disservice to lie to tell them something that was not the truth because if, if they encounter the real risen God, then basically um, they'd say, well, Jeremiah told us this. Jeremiah lied to us. See, God doesn't change. We as human beings, we waffle back and forth, but it would be a disservice for Jeremiah to lie and say things will get better. Likewise, as a preacher, it would be a disservice for me to preach that all roads lead to heaven. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus clearly says, narrow is the path, and few will find it. Likewise, when I'm preaching on the word, it would be a disservice for me to preach that divorce is okay, that same-sex marriage is part of God's plan, that lying is perfectly fine as long as it's um, in certain situations. See, if I'm going to address some sins, I'm going to address all sins, I just listed those out because I know that those are ones that are hot topic ones. Those are ones that get you kind of riled up. But here's, here's the thing. I'm going to list off all the sins. I'm going to preach against everything that Jesus talks about, just not, not just one or two things. You know, we're, we're going to keep going until everybody in this room is convicted. Because every one of us is guilty. Each one of us has our own sins that we all deal with. And if you are not convicted... If you think that you are righteous, if you think that you were good, a good person in the sight of God, then you are the most sinful person in here. So we cannot compromise on what the word says. The word is our standard. Jeremiah never compromised either. See, doing what is right means refusing to compromise on your values or on God's truth. So my question for you is this. What are the little things in your life that demand more integrity? What are the little things in your life that are destroying your character? Maybe you're cheating someone. IRS. Maybe you're cheating on your spouse. Maybe you're cheating God. Maybe you're cheating your kids out of time. Maybe you like to gossip about other people. Maybe you like to hear gossip. Maybe you like to talk badly or think negative thoughts about certain people. God knows I, I do. That's, that's one of my per, personal pet peeves. Or that's one of my personal sins is I fall into the trap of neg- negativity all the time. See, we all have situations in our lives where we can fall into these little traps. We can lose our character. We can lose our integrity. You know, another way to think about this is maybe you need to be a little bit more like Jeremiah. There are situations that demand truth-telling. Truth-telling with love, but truth-telling. Will you be faithful in the little things in your life? Will God be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? You were faithful in the little things, and now I will give you more. You know, at the end of the day, we all want the quick fix. We want the easy route. We want the easy solution. But what if, just what if, we were willing to do what is right? What if we were willing to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? This is what I believe, and anything over this line goes into territory that I can't follow you into. 
because I believe this. I have a value. I have a standard for what I believe, and I'm sorry. I just can't go with you there. What if we, as Christians, we were able to go against the crowd and say, you know what? Um, I know that this place is a place that we, we gossip and we're bitter and we, we speak hatred about all these other people and we slander other people, but I, I just can't go with you there. So maybe what I'll do is I'll choose to do something else. Maybe I'll choose just to be quiet when the conversation goes down that way. I'll choose not to participate. I'll choose to go get some coffee, or go to the restroom when they start talking about all that stuff. Or maybe simply it's choosing to forgive someone, to give somebody mercy, to show somebody love. All those are acts of character. All those are hard things to do, especially when we really dislike that person. See, doing what is right is rarely easy, but you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. I don't think there's anybody in history who has done the right thing and at the end of the day said, wow, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's because we were made to do what's right. God made us to be like him. And it's our sin that tears him away. Tears us away from him. So do not compromise your values. Speak the truth. Do not be afraid to take a bold stance on what you believe. Because doing what is right is rarely easy, but you will never regret it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we get to go into your word to dive deep into it. And Lord, we know that our integrity, our character, those are very important things, especially if people see us as Christians. So Lord, we ask that we will do the things that will maintain our integrity and to further it, that we will do things that will lift up our character so that we are not pushed down to the mud, the gunk of life, but our character stands above it all. Through the power of Jesus Christ, help us to break down the walls of anger and bitterness and slander and gossip and all the things that we fall into. Help us to be people of light, people of hope, people of love. We pray this in and through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.